Now, come on, you blasted frog eater. Where's my room? This one here, monsieur. Voici la chambre. Right. <laughs> well, here is a thank for your trouble. It was no trouble. In that case, I shall have it back again. <laughs> now, get out of here, you blasted frog eater, you. Now, where's the bathroom? Ah, here it is. Sud me, crodger, and split me flatterer. <laughs> the blasted door has recently been sealed and unsealed. Oh, Inspector Siegel. Oh? Inspector Siegel, you're in disguise. Lift me dongle and lower me grovelers. <laughs> Who in blazes is this ragged goon? Don't fool around, Inspector Siegel, and I've sealed all the windows like you told me. What the devil are you talking about, you, you Neolithic naughty boy, you? <laughs> what are you doing with that naughty camera? Oh, taking pictures of the body. Filthy postcards. No. <laughs> no, no. Oh, 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 I haven't been taking them. Don't lie to me. How much do you want for the lot, then? <laughs> Skins, there's been a diabolical murder. Ooh. <laughs> and that's about the level that we're going to get yes. on this podcast. Well, uh, yes, they, it's a diabolical murder. Will we ever find out who committed the diabolical murder? We'll have to wait and see. Because uh, as that little verbal clue may have alerted some of you, today we are talking about a murder mystery Goon Show episode, um, which I think more or less remains a mystery the case of the vanishing room and welcome to returning guest mike haskins hello hello mike hello mike um first question i suppose that i want to throw out there is so they so the case of the vanishing room was from the fourth series of the goon show and then uh, several years later they remade it as the vanishing room for the vintage goons series why do you think he ditched the the case of bit yeah, that, that's a subtlety that had eluded me until now. But now you pointed out, yes, that, that's probably very... Why indeed? Why indeed? Yeah, vintage goons. It's so vintage, it's from three and a half years earlier mm. that they've gone back and redone these. Yeah. So it, it exists in two time frames, two interesting points. And Actually, I should just point out, if you can hear some strange breathing and noises, that is not Mrs. Haskins. That, that is, in fact, Huxley, who is... Um, joining me here and Huxley is a dog who comes up to visit us every couple of weeks oh. for reasons we won't go into so he's just sitting here at the moment and um <laughs> that's uh, Huxley Huxley he's a big goons fan oh right okay and and uh, uh named after Aldous or um I, I believe so who was the other so. one who was the other Huxley uh Julian. Thomas Thomas Huxley. Thomas Huxley th oh was one of these people was mm. he something to do with evolution Something like that. Uh, we're all we're all something to do with evolution, in we a sense. <laughs> we absolutely are. Yes. So so Huxley is there in the background. We may hear the odd yelp or yeah, or yeah. Worse. Or we may just start going berserk and uh, 
barking and breathing straight in my face. It's like, it's just absolute, you know, dog <laughs> mayhem in this house. You would not believe. We've already got three of our own. Um, daughter came back with another one just before Christmas. Uh, so the house is just destroyed. It is just dev- the house looks like it's the sort of place where drug addicts live. Basically, it's, <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe it is such a tip. Because anyway, there he is. He's panting away. So back to the vanishing room. So yeah, so it's 1954. Spike reworks the script again. 1957 for this vintage goon series. And we thought, did we not, Tyler? It'd be interesting to look at these and do a sort of compare and contrast and see how much difference there is between the two versions. We did indeed. There's very there's very little difference at all. It, it's quite surprising how little difference there is. So there you go. Um, much less than you'd expect. Right, coming up next week on Goon Pod, another yeah, fascinating bye, episode. Folks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there, are, there are some differences. We will come to those. There um, are some differences, yeah. yeah. But yeah, in fact, uh, there's another reason, really, why uh, this is sort of an interesting episode. Uh, the 1954 version is the first solo Milligan script. So that was another reason to uh, to look at this one. Uh, it's the first one that he writes without the co-writer. Although, having said that, um, when you look into these things, it's always a bit it's always a bit vague whether who has actually written these scripts at this stage. But uh, it's the first one, the 1954 Case of the Vanishing Room, is the first one which just solely says script by Spike Milligan. Right, I, I didn't pick up on that. Do you know? So Did you not? you've That's already. Strange. Confounded me. <laughs> well, yeah, because something was going wrong with Mary about that time, wasn't it? And the relationship had um, broken down or something. They were yes. working separately anyway. So he 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 moves out of the relationship or something. Um, he's working. He's got a different agent, hasn't he? He's got this. Uh, he's got a guy called Kevin Kavanagh as his agent, who presumably something to do with Ted Kavanagh, the, the Itmar guy. Mm. Mm. Huxley is sounding not pleased with this this uh, development in the story. You, you mentioned Ted Kavanagh, and you know what that does to dogs. Well, I know. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so he drops out, and so that's interesting. And then Spike continues the rest of the fourth series on his own, and yep. then he comes back with a he comes back with a bank, I think, in series five. Well, I think so anyway. Yes, he does. This episode, the, the 1954 episode, it is The Goon Show, but it's not quite The Goon Show, would you say? It's not quite as we think of it. It's it's a little different. The characters aren't quite the same, and it doesn't have quite the same kind of makeup, the same format. So, But once you get into Series 5, then it's really kind of all systems go, I think. It's a bit... It's a bit and, and it doesn't help that the sound quality of the existing Series 4 episodes, with a, one or mm. two exceptions, is... is pretty ropey it doesn't that doesn't help um i mean this episode in particular comes across if i guess it doesn't help again if you compare it to the vintage goons remake which is a lot peppier but this yeah. the, the 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 series four case of the vanishing room sounds a bit leaden to me yeah well it, maybe it just sounds more of its time perhaps that's what it is and you know mm-hmm. so series four this is when Mary drops out. Mary Stevens drops out of the writing and Spike is left on his own. Then the 1958 version, it's interesting. He does it again then, but that is just before Larry goes again. And then he's gone, of course, forever after that, more or less forever. So in um, Series 8, you're getting towards the end of Larry's involvement in not only in The Goon Show, but in the world, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, it must be, must be around that time that he's 
been given his year to live. I think yeah. uh, he was applying for his mortgage or something, and so they had to do a, a medical, and that's when he it was discovered, oh dear, you've got 12 men. So give you a very high mortgage for the next 12 months. Extreme but, hypertension. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the highest blood pressure that the doctor had ever seen. Yes. What I want to do, as I always do, is um, put a, give a little bit of historical context and whatnot. Um, now, because we're talking about two... Two shows, two different times. Mm. Uh, I want to talk about. I think. I think because we're we're going to compare them as we go along. I think it's best to give the background to both shows up front. Don't know how you feel yes. about that, but uh, but I think that's how I want to do it. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. Um, before I do that, actually. Oh. While I was waiting for you to join me, because some idiot hadn't sent you the Zoom invite. Yes. <laughs> while I was waiting for you. To join me, I was chewing the end of my biro. Oh, yes. And I came up with a game. Oh, no. I hate games. Um, it's called, okay, and this might be a one-off, but I'm mm. hoping that it will lead to um, its own podcast spin-off one day. <laughs> it's, it's called it's called From Peter to Piper. Oh, I, okay. Explain okay. that to me then. Yeah. So what do you think that could involve? Um, Peter to Piper. Uh, does it involve Peter Sellers and Piper Laurie? Oh, very you've close. Got, you've very got to close. collect them by by who they slept with. Well, no, it's it's the same principle as you know, um, the six degrees of seven. But uh, yes, six degrees of Kevin ba- Kevin Bacon. Yes, Not yes, seven I do. bacon. Right, uh, okay, I, I was along the right lines then. Seven bacon is a pig in a river. Yeah, you're on the right lines. It is. I am going to every yeah. week. For the next two weeks, because <laughs> I'm going to run out of people, I'm going to connect Peter Sellers, yeah, in five moves, uh-huh. to a, to a famous person called Piper. Okay, how um, many pe- famous people called Piper are there? Well, there's, there's, there's Piper, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's Piper uh, Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. And this week, yeah. we are going to connect in five, Peter mm. Sellers to Billy Piper. Billy Piper. Oh, yeah, Billy Piper. That's very good. Okay, go on. Okay, you ready for this? Um, okay. we're, we're not going via Lawrence Fox, are we? No. Oh, no. Thank God for that. <laughs> no. Okay, so we've got Peter Sellers. Yeah. Now, in 1950, Peter Sellers dubbed an actor in the film The Black Rose. Oh, yes. Do you, do you know that actor? No, tell me. Uh, Alfonso Bedoya. Oh, yes. You've spoken about this before, have you? I have indeed. Right. Okay, now, good. good. Now, funny enough, quite by coincidence, just last week, I watched for the first time <laughs> The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay. With, with uh, Walter Houston and Humphrey Bogart. Yes. And Alfonso Bedoya as a bandido. Okay, right. Mexican Did, bandido. Does he get dubbed in that as well? No, I don't think he does. Well, he might do, but I don't think he does. But in that film, he delivers one of the most famous lines in movie history. He delivers the line, and I'm not going to say the whole bit, but essentially it is the bit where he says, we don't need no stinking badges. Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. 
I don't have to show you any stinking bashes. Better not come any closer. Do you know of that line? Have you heard that line before? I, no, th no that, that is not a line I'm familiar with. Okay. We don't need those stinking badgers. Yeah, that's what he says. Okay. Now, right. most people listening to this probably associate that line with another film. Do and, they? Yeah. And that other film is Blazing Saddles. I see. Because Mel Brooks puts that line or a variation of that line into Blazing Saddles. Be ready to attack Rock Ridge at noon tomorrow. Here's your badge. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> and that's where a lot of people think that line originally came from. But no, it came from the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And it was yes. Bedoya that delivered it. Okay, so, right. so we've got oh, Peter yeah. Sellers. Peter Sellers to Alfonso Bedoya. Yeah. Alfonso Bedoya to Mel Brooks. Are you, are you keeping notes here? I am. I'm still waiting for Billy Piper to be born in this, well, uh, in, this getting, in this time scale. We're getting there. We're getting there now. Thank God. Mel Brooks, when he was sort of starting out in television, yes, he wrote, or I'm not even sure if it was shot. There was a pilot television show, 1962, 63, and it was <laughs> called. And this might be the bit where you suddenly go, ah. I see where this is going. Okay. Now, the name of this pilot that was never made into a series, the name of this pilot was mm. Inside Danny Baker. Okay. Yes, of course. Yeah, And then he was very impressed when he met Danny Baker, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. That's because because Danny Baker had no idea of this. And when, when Danny Baker told him his name, Mel Brooks was absolutely delighted because he was, I think he yeah. said it was the most, it was the least Jewish name in the world or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so we've got Danny Baker. So we've got Sellers, Bedoya, Brooks, Danny Baker. Danny Baker famously was very good mates with Chris Evans. And of course, yes. Chris Evans was married to. Oh, gosh. Billy Piper. Billy Piper. Very briefly. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, my goodness. Well, well, well that, this, this is an excellent feature, and I hope it will, you know, it deserves a podcast all in its own right. Well, who knows? And if if listeners want to hear that game again <laughs> in future episodes, oh, uh, please, please write and let me know. Um, or I, well, I am going to run out of pipers. Huxley's getting very agitated by this now. He's wandering around. Well, I'm, I'm getting to the point now, Huxley. Okay. There, there, you know, I didn't just come oh, up with this game. Oh. He, he's not having it. He's very upset by this feature. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. It's all right. Um, Danny the, Baker, Chris Evans, Billy Piper. You see? There you go. Okay. So the reason, there, was a, the, 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 there is a, a link to that game and to what we're talking about today. Would you I believe? See. Okay. okay. Mm. Because I mentioned Alfonso Bedoya. Okay. Yes, yes. Now, he died on the 15th of December, 1957. Oh, I see. Now, what was recorded on Sunday, the 15th of December, well, that, 1957? That... Huxley says it was the remake of The Vanishing Room. It was. <laughs> it was, uh, in fact, there were two episodes recorded that night, I believe. It was The Great British Revolution yes. and The Vanishing Room, because they would, they would double up and do two shows a night. Indeed. One for Vintage Goons and one for the uh, series, series 8. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, so there's your connection. Uh, <clears throat> but, of course, the Vintage Goons version um, wasn't intended for no. UK broadcast. Although it was UK broadcast. Yeah, well, it was. It, this and five others from the series were yeah. broadcast immediately before 
um, the beginning series of the nine. series nine, and it was broadcast on the thirteenth of October, nineteen fifty-eight. Okay, um, again, a day, a day dripping with significance, if it is, you know, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, well, you see, I, I didn't have any of those, but I can tell you that the recording on the fifteenth of December, nineteen fifty-seven, was two days after the birth of Radio One DJ Gary Davis, who I've uh, met. Have you? Well, there we are. Can we connect? <laughs> yes, we can connect Gary Davis to uh, to you. Can I tell you um, very briefly my Gary Davis story? It's, of course. It's very short. I'm sorry, Mike. So. I know this. I, I know this is going all over the place. But very briefly, um, when I was living in Belfast in ninety one, ninety two, I'm not sure what year that this actually occurred. Gary Davis was in Belfast with Lisa Stansfield um, oh, for yes. some for some Radio One junket or something. Yeah. And I, myself and another boy from the sixth form were asked to go and stand and pose behind her for a photographer to take. So basically, she was she was sort of pulling poses, and there was two schoolboys standing behind her. And, and don't, really, don't, and that was you and a friend. Me and a friend, yeah. And well, Gary Davis. Have, you was must there. still have this picture. No, this I never. Be... I haven't got oh, it. No. no, I don't even know. I tried to find, you know, on the internet, but no, I can't find it. So um, it must be there. Must I'm going to seek it out. Mm. You say um, that you have got a copy. You're just not showing us. That's what's going on here. <laughs> I, was, I was picking my nose. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what's more interesting. 15th yes. February 1954. The original broadcast. Who's born that day? Uh, I. You know, I don't know. I didn't. Somebody who's responsible for a long-running comedy series featuring a great range of characters. And he was born the day... Matt Groening. It is. He was born the day oh. of the first Vanishing Room. <gasps> oh, my God, right. Why didn't I yeah. pick up on that? Yeah, I think that's uh, true, <laughs> 1954. Uh, Ian Banks, the late novelist. Oh, Lost Factory. Yep. Yeah, he was born the next day, as was Michael Holding. Who is Michael Holding? Yeah. The famous cricketer from The Quote yeah. by Brian Johnson. The batsman's holding the bowler's willy. <laughs> which um, I've got a book of cricket stories coming Brian Johnson apparently never actually said that on the radio. There was never a, a never a match at the time where it could have happened. <laughs> he did like to go around quoting it. Is it like the old? Because um, who was it? Was it Victor Lewis Smith that came out with the Captain Pugwash urban myth? Yeah, somebody did, and they, yeah, yeah. semen stains and masturbates and um, yeah. Roger yeah. the cabin boy. No, of course there wasn't any of that. Honestly, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah, so uh, the Vintage Goons recording. Five yeah. days before the birth of Billy Bragg. So that's interesting. Oh. Uh, and seeing as it's a murder mystery, The Vanishing Room, Dorothy L. Sayers died two days after the episode was recorded. Oh, oh, author of Lord Peter Whimsey, I believe. That's right, yeah. That's one of the great sort of um, yeah, uh, classic crime novelists. Um, let's see if you can identify who this is. Eric Coates died six days after the um, recording of Vintage Goons. Eric Coates, um, Eric Coates. Now, Vin, Eric Coates is responsible for two great, you know, stirring British pieces of music. It's amazing that they both came from the same person, but uh, they did. He was a composer. Okay, I'll say it's Puffin Billy, one of them. It isn't. No, come on. What What are the two most... Land of Hope and Glory. Land of no, Hope and well, that'd be, that'd be long before, wouldn't it? That'd be Edward oh, okay. Elgar. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric right. Coates, Eric Coates was responsible not only for the Dambusters. All oh, right, <laughs> Mr. Huxley. 
Eric Ozer is responsible for the Dambusters theme. And also, I think it's the theme from uh, Desert Island Discs. Oh. Well, so that's, uh, that's a good game, isn't it? Good, good job that Huxley's not named after Guy Gibson's dog from the Dan Busters, by the way. Uh, yeah, I know. That's right. Uh, yes. Because uh, uh, they were going to read with Stephen Fry, weren't they? Stephen Fry was writing the script for the, the, uh, he was, the yeah. revised version. And the, I think that was the big sticking point. What to do about Guy Gibson's dog? Yeah. So they just scrapped because, it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <clears throat> so just uh, listeners may not have heard the cuts there, but the... Um, the hound known as Huxley has been dismissed from the room. Removed. He may come back. Another interesting thing, looking through the Radio Times from 1958, around about the time of the uh, the second uh, Vanishing Room recording. Hmm. Sunday night, this is absolutely amazing, on the telly, BBC One, well, it's only BBC One, wasn't it, BBC, David Attenborough with Zoo Quest. He was still going then. Amazing, isn't it? Not right. So the other day, the other day, the other week, when I had Molly McDade on talking about yes. uh, sinking Westminster Pier, and I, and we were talking about David Attenborough and the fact that he was he'd been around on television since the fifties, mm. and I called it Zoo Time. I think yes, Zoo Time, Zoo Quest, Zoo Quest, Zoo Quest. Yes, mm. where he went to find the Komodo dragon. Was there a big egg or something? <laughs> Yeah, David Attenborough came out of Big Egg at the beginning. <laughs> no, there was a Big Egg that he. I see. I've seen pictures of David Attenborough when he was a young man standing next to a Big Egg. That, that's his brother. <laughs> Short of hair. <laughs> terrible thing to say. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. We we can carry on with recordings and broadcasts in the vanishing. No, room. no, if, no. We can no. because it was next broadcast, third of August, nineteen eighty which is when I taped it off the radio because I was about to go to university. And, uh, oh, so that's a few, right. Yeah. So that's a few days after Sellers died, of course, because he of dies course. on the 24th of July. And so they were running a series of Smash of the Day, they would call it. Smash of the Day was like, that was like all of um, Radio 4 Extra, but you just got it like for about six weeks in the year. Yes. And they would do some repeats of some old shows. And it might be, does the team think? Um, but on this occasion, it was it was the Goon Show, so that was running when when Sellers died. And did you did you enjoy? Do you remember enjoying this particular or the the the, the Vanishing Room episode? Well, I, I no, I have uh, by that stage, July nineteen eighty, I was more sort of into Joy Division, um, right. but I was dutifully, I was still dutifully recording on my, my little cassette tapes yes. uh, every time a Goon Show was on. Um, I, w- I would uh, I would put it on the cassette and then make a little mark in my Goon Show uh, companion, Roger Wilmot book. So I knew I had it, but I couldn't actually uh, bring it back to mind uh, before listening to it for this. Um, Did it all come flooding back, or had you? Not- no, no, not really. No, because um, yeah, because because I I I'll put cards on the table. I'm yeah. not particularly. I was never particularly much of a fan of the Vanishing Room. Mm, um, you know, it was fine, but it it was never one that I would listen to regularly. No, well, as with all of them, you know, there's always fun stuff. There's always funny stuff, uh, somewhere along the. But like I say, it it's sort of, it's the Goon Show, but it's not quite the Goon Show as we as we know it. It's it's on its way. It's more sketchy, isn't it? I think this. And you'd sort of see it's sort of progressing from one sketch to the next. Uh, I think this is all interesting in terms of um, thinking this this is the first one where Milligan has just been left to it himself and he's got to do the whole thing. Mm. 
This is the BBC Home Service. We present Sellers, Seacom and Milligan in The Goon Show! <laughs> In the county of Sussex lies the hamlet of Brodley-on-Cleet, known locally as Brodley-on-Cleet, from the village of the same name. Population in 1889, 4,862. Population in 1954, 87. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I don't have a synopsis for the series four, no. Case of the Vanishing Room, but I do have a synopsis uh, for the Vintage Goons episode which somebody very kindly typed up for the transcription services variety catalog okay it encapsulates the story quite neatly i think mm. it goes uh, in the charming hamlet of broadly on cleat lives yep. lord cretenby in his country seat secure so he thinks of reaching a ripe old age but he is shot poisoned and stabbed by an unknown assailant who to hide his tracks removes not only the body but also the scene of the crime to an unfashionable hotel in paris Inspector Nettie Seagoon is once again responsible for solving the mystery. Yeah, well, that, that actually makes it sound like a plot. I mean, they've sort of filled in gaps in, in that description, haven't they? Spoiler alert, listeners. <laughs> the murderer and any interest in the murder is 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 missing, I would say, from the script. So the, the idea that it was the murderer who's who's caused the room to vanish and go to paris this is news to me although i've listened to it i don't know how many times in the yeah weeks. you're right actually i never is, thought is, is that in the script no i don't know right who do you think first of all do you want to start out by saying who you think is the murderer of lord Cretenby? no because no, the interesting thing is that it's like spike goes right firstly the vanishing room is a good title isn't it this sounds. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. The vanishing room. The case of the vanishing room. It sounds like a great murder mystery. Yeah, it sounds like it's from that sort of era. It's one. It's of one of Agatha those Christie and you know a it's locked, one of those room, locked room mysteries like yeah. Gaston Larue and. Uh... Yes, that's right. Uh, so you think, yeah, you've got the title. Sounds great, but you don't get that at all. You know, it's basically just a title that's mentioned at the beginning, and then. There's very little about the vanishing. You know, if you thought of that title, all the way that you could plot that out and come up with, you know, oh, what's going to happen with the vanishing room? You know, where's where's the comedy going to come from? The vanishing room. What fiendish things might happen? None of this seems to actually happen. So I think maybe if we work our way through the script, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll see exactly what Spike chooses to do. But it's very interesting that he. It just doesn't even seem to occur to him to, you know, do it the way you'd think. You know, set up a detective story. It's called The Vanishing Room. You have these, you know, the lovely English, you know, country village of Broadly on Cleet. You know, you'll have the cast of characters, the murder, the appearance of the great detective, the investigation, the red herrings, you know, and then the gathering all the suspects and the re reveal of the murder at the end. You get absolutely none of that whatsoever <laughs> in this episode. In fact, it's got it's got a terrible ending. Even well, by descends, Goon Show standards, it's it got a descends terrible into ending. chaos. Well, it descends into a big shootout, so that's so that's exciting. But um, first thing, the nineteen fifty four one. Um, I think even just the introduction is interesting, as Greenslade just says, "We present Sellers, Seacombe, and Milligan in the Goon Show," and then you get the theme tune, which that introduction has already gone by the next series, hasn't it? 
Exactly, and that that's a, a remnant of the early earliest shows where they, yeah, they yeah. did the, 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 the intro scene. The goons gallop yeah. sli- slightly altered. In the credits, do they always give the names in that order? Because that's interesting itself, Severed, Seacombe and Milligan. Well, I know at the end, the end credits, they've always, it's always gone in that order. Peter Sellers, Harry Seekin, yeah. and Spike Milligan. Yeah. Because it's reverse alphabetical order, isn't it? And um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's sort of like going back to Sellers Castle. It's like, you know, Sellers is the most important one. Yeah. Well, to an extent, he was, wasn't he? You think they put Harry's name first because he's the central character. And then Milligan Sellers could be in any order. Sellers won't want to go in the middle, so maybe you want to go in the end. Anyway. Well, maybe Sellers threatened violence he, if he didn't get yeah, his name. Yeah, that's right. First. Who, was it, who was his agent at the time? Dennis uh, Sellinger. Dennis Sellinger, that's right. <laughs> his name must go first whenever yeah. the names are actually given. Yeah. Uh, so you have the theme. Then we go into this broadly on Cleet bit, which I think is full of really good jokes. You know, in the county of Sussex lies the hamlet of broadly on Cleet, known locally as broadly on Cleet from the village of the same name. Yeah, um, and you've, well, you've got Peter doing kind of slightly watered down flower dew voice. Yeah. yeah, which was the camp voice he would occasionally essay on the Goon Show. It's quite a sketchy little bit in the thing, but uh, does it remind you of another famous sketch by any chance? <clears throat> no, no, it, it didn't. Seriously, it reminds me very much. Of another sketch, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Balham Gateway to the South. Oh, right. But I'm still it's trying it... to think which bit do you mean? Well, just no. I mean, it's it's not the same jokes. It's not the same place. But just this sort of you know sort of travelogue sort of introduction of a place, and then you know these details about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you not? Do you? Oh, I, I feel this is. Um, you're not going with me. Well... You know, the poet Sprunt and his uh, his one sonnet that is true. True. Uh, Green, Green said line about um, uh, on hearing this, the villagers erected a tombstone and placed the poet under it. A line which gets absolutely nothing in the 1954 no. <laughs> version. But that that seemed you know quite similar to the uh, the bit in Balham Gateway to the South, you know, with Eugene Quills. Such is the enthusiasm of Balham's music lovers that they are subscribing to a fund to send Eugene to Italy or Vienna or anywhere. <laughs> Broadly on Cleet bore one famous son, the poet Prunt. He wrote but one sonnet. Our north include the clued and garly bay, our double floating dyke and cruddly glarn. We need a cluely broadly boys and guard. Ah, horn. Broadly on Cleet, boy ripples living tidy on hearing this, the villagers erected a tombstone and immediately placed the post under it. Such is the enthusiasm of Balham's music lovers that they are subscribing to a fund to send Eugene to Italy or Vienna or anywhere. Now, I, I think I'm on something with this. Uh, uh, that I, th- I think it is similar. And not only do I think it's similar, this was recorded at the end of 57. What comes out at the end of 1958? Uh, best of Sellers. Yeah. So I wonder if this jogged Sellers' memory. Oh, yes, that's sketch. Yeah, I could redo that for my record. Because um, 
Well, yeah, but 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 Balam Balam Gateway to the South was reworked from an earlier um, Third Division sketch. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is what I'm saying. That this is reminiscent of that sketch on yeah. Third Division. Yeah, this is my point. Oh, and, so, and Sellers have said, "Oh, I remember doing that back in." Yeah. So it, it's sort of so possibly you know maybe it's you know Milligan heard it and thought oh yeah that's quite a good sort of format you know because you can do lots of jokes in that sort of in that sort of travelogue sort of format yeah, the, then it gets revived in 1957 which reminds Sellers of the original sketch to record for his record in 1958 yeah maybe um, right well. Yes, let us press on. So, uh, yeah, so then you get the bit about the, uh, you know, the dreaded werewolf murders of 1776 and so on. Um, one change from the 1954 to the 1957 version is you get different voices put in instead of uh, some of the voices sort of miss being terribly exciting, I think, in the 1954 version. Yeah. And by the 1957 version, they've realised they can do more. You know, So when Milligan does his kind of line in the throat voice yeah. <laughs> in, in this list of uh, all these terrible things that happened over the years. And um, what's the last one? Um, the Vicar's Garden Party. Yes, yes. Uh, which, again, that, that whole bit has done so much better in Vintage Goons, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so th- right, so then we get to the introduction of the case of the vanishing room idea, and then that's it. So you've got the idea of the English village, the big country house, and uh, so you've got all this setup, all this atmosphere, but you get nothing about the village really, do you? That's it. It's all in that opening sketch. Then we go into Inspector Seagoon, the Inspector Seagoon police procedural. Oh well, no, 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 not in series four. You don't. Oh well, so what 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 do we get in the in the meantime? Well, it's it's in, in series four. It's Inspector Albert Seacom. Oh, is that what he said? Oh, I, I just I, yeah, there we are. It's so crackly. I thought he was saying Seacom, but yeah, I mean that that's another difference, isn't it? Because he does it all in a Yorkshire accent, which I don't like. I don't <laughs> like. There was only one man to call in. There was only one man available. Me, Inspector Albert Seacom. Oh, I well recall that morning when I was taken in my dustbin to Scotland Yard. There was only one man to call in. There was only one man available. Now, Tyler, talk me through this next scene. What is going on in this scene with um, Seagoon stroke Seacombe and the Scottish police chief? <laughs> OK, well... What, what is the bit about the police dog certificate and the spike collar? The one thing it does elicit is a corpse... From they're talking about a murder and Peter corpses. Yeah. Peter as yeah. the Scotsman. There's been a diabolical. Murder. <laughs> yeah, no. Is that it? Well, well, he's it's Peter's uh, uh, default Scottish voice without the bagpipes in the background. Yeah, I guess he's playing the chief. Is he the chief constable? Yeah, he's, uh, he's the Scottish police chief. So yeah. is it because he's from Scotland Yard? Is that why he's Scottish? Could be. Could be. Well, it's just a, just a different voice. I mean, why didn't? Yeah, why didn't he do it in Yorkshire? Do we know? Hang on. Brother on Cleet is in. I, I the, it's in it's in the county of Sussex. Sussex, Sussex, <laughs> which is a little it's near Sussex, I presume, which is not far from where Huxley came from. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so the main point about this is just to get to the line. There's been a diabolical murder at Brodley on Cleet. I want you to find out a few things. 
Yes. Not, I want you to find out the murderer and solve the crime. <laughs> no. I want you to find out a few things. That's, this scene, which has gone on for about five pages, is just go to Bordeaux, please, and then you'll uh, discover a murder. And, and the, the pace of this plot does not speed up after this point either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You have in the Series 4 version, you have... Peter, as the Scotsman says, wearing blazers is Rodney on cleats. So, you know, yes. they're all as, he's as confused as we are. So, yeah. hang on. So, they're not actually in Sussex then? No. 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 There's a total disconnect between wherever they are. But do they and, have jurisdiction? And the in, and why know. do they have jurisdiction in Sussex? Yeah, if I, not... I know. It's, anyway. it's, it's very odd what's going on in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the arrangements between the various police forces. It's just like Seekham is sent over there just to investigate this murder. Why aren't they doing it in broadly on Cleet? We're going to be here all day. Right. So let's let's move on to um, Minnie and Henry. So who are... They are the Sussex Law, or Sussex, presumably, Law Vigilantes. Well, that, no, they're in the police station, aren't they? Oh, I'll tell you the other bit that's missing from the 1957 version is when um, they do the roll call of Seacombe's men. Yeah. Call the roll. Right. Now, everybody answer your name. Eccles? You? All present. Right. <laughs> My party, spread out and follow me. Yeah. So, so I like that. And at least that explains why Eccles is there with Seacomb stroke Seagoo when he gets to the, uh, the country house. Otherwise, he yeah. just sort of appears from nowhere. What's he doing? He's still with us, folks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well... So yeah, so they get to the so Seekum Seagoon gets to the police station and knocks on the door, which obviously hastens. That, that, uh, that is the next scene, really, isn't it? It's knocking on the door, and <laughs> um, it's several pages of script to establish that someone is knocking on the door. I mean, th- this scene is different, isn't it? In uh, in the two versions, but it's much better in Vintage Goons. Yeah, but it's not like a. Do you think it's like a scripted? No, it's extended. It's 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 extended and and uh, extemporized. I think. Yeah, you think is they've worked this up in the the run through or something, haven't they? And uh, yeah, it's just a funny Minnie and Henry scene. But um... <laughs> in in the in the vintage vintage goons recording, at one yeah. point you can hear Seacom muttering yeah. something just off mic. Right. Yeah, it is. It's a very long scene about a man knocking at a door and then eventually being allowed to come in. That is the dramatic arc in this scene, you know. Yeah, oh. it ends with, now where's the criminal record book? Meantime, Max Geldrow will play a blunt instrument, and then we're into Max, right? Yes. So we, we've established um, 1954 version, where's the criminal record book? Where did Sir Robert Peel leave it? Strike a match, hold it over this music, and then... So then we come back from Max, and Greenslade picks up the story and says, From Crun, Seagoon learned that the murder had been committed at the home of Lord Crettenby. <laughs> so that's where he's got to go. <laughs> How far into the script are we at this point? And we, we've seen nobody, no murder. But there's been there's been some uh, very detailed character development leading up yeah. to this. You know. <laughs> I, I would say this is not how normal murder mystery stories work I, I don't think spike is going to get the job writing midsummer murders at this rate well if if this if this show were made today by itv mm. inspector seagoon or seacom 
would have some be battling some inner demons. You just know that, don't you? <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> this is the odd thing. It's like he set it up as it's going to be a parody of whatever sort of. Well, it wouldn't be that, but it would be the 1920s Agatha Christie sort of story. But then he just doesn't bother with it at all. It's just like he's thinking, you know, what do we do next? And you've got the conversation with the Scottish police chief. Then you've got the scene with Minnie and Henry. It was all very entertaining. <laughs> so you think, well, yeah, where, where is the story? So Seekim arrives at, we, we think on his own, arrives yes. at Lord Crettenby's uh, big pile of bricks somewhere in broadly on cleat and yes and in fact yeah like in the 1954 version he's not alone but he's with Eccles. but Eccles has not said a word for no for quite no. a while no and uh and and in the 54 uh version um, spike answers the door doing kind of like i think his normal voice his normal speaking voice i i, I took mm. that to be and i don't know why he did that um, in the Vintage Goons. It's the character Grip Pipe Thin who yes. answers the door. Um, but then you have it. It's like to me, there's some unnecessary voices in this bit because you've got in the '54 version, Sellers as gravely Headstone, the butler, yes, uh, who's who calls uh, shut the door because the snow is drifting over the body. Yeah, and in, and in the Vintage Goons, you've got the 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 mincing voice that Sellers would do. Right. Um, saying the same thing, shut the door. Mm. Okay, and then, and then you've got Spriggs in the Vintage Goons as Willoughby the Butler, yeah, and Pit Pipe as Lord Crattenby's secretary. Oh, is uh, that what he is? Yes. Yeah. And, yes. And it... Why didn't he just have um, Grip Pipe answering the door and saying everything? Yes. Who is it? Is this the place where there's been a murder? Yes. Which murder are you inquiring about? Which murder? How many have there been? One. That's the one. Now, I'm Inspector Seacombe, and I've come Close up... that door, will you? The snow's drifting over the body, and you know what a weak chest he's got. Yes. Why is he whispering? Well, he hasn't got laryngitis. Yes, who is it? Is this the place where there's been a murder? Yes. Which murder are you inquiring about? Which murder? How many have there been? One. That's the one. Now, I'm Inspector Seagood, and I... Close the door, will you? The snow's drifting over the body, and you know what a weak chest he has. Here. Why isn't he whispering? He hasn't got laryngitis. Oh. Come on, Jim. I said, oh, the police, the police. Yes, the police. Oh, I, I, I am Wilmington the butler. I found the body. Jim Spriggs makes it funny. So I quite like that. Mm. Um, it is odd. It, it, this is what I mean. You know, it's like a goon show, but it's not a goon show because you need Grip Pipe and Moriarty to be you know, plotting some... Well, des the thing you've got to remember, Mike, of course, is that in 54, this period in yeah. 1954, when the yes. case of the Vanishing Room went out, um, the the character of Grip Pipe Thin didn't exist by name in any case. No. And certainly no. by... The, 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 it hadn't been fleshed out. That voice existed, and they called it Sanders in the script. Yes, of course. Um, yes. But it wasn't until the Whistling Spy Enigma, beginning yeah. of Series 5, that he is identified as Grip Pipe Thin. Yes, 
yes no i i i i understand i understand but yeah it does yeah and all that all those kind of elements come together to make you know the format that we know or that i think of as being the goon chair and so you know uh, mm. which murder are you inquiring about how many of them being one that's the one um mm. and then you know this idea about um the routine about you know you found the body i did so i did when i entered the library to serve the poisoned coffee did you see him fall no sir i was too busy wiping the bloodstained knife you know so you've got that idea yes uh, so yeah that that that's quite nice that's quite good yeah i've just worked out that headstone is the murderer <laughs> well you, you, yes <laughs> Uh, it's taken me this long to 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 work that out. <laughs> well, no, I I know, but I don't I, I don't well, we know how much credence you're supposed. To, but he's he's guilty of various. I mean, is this what we're saying has happened to um, Lord Crestonby? He's been poisoned and he's been stabbed and shot <laughs> and shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not quite sure what his motivation would have been, but um, no. but it doesn't matter because this is all passed by. Uh, during the course of this mystery, certain heavily disguised clues will be planted, giving a, a key to the real murderer. Yeah, so I, I think you're onto something. Yes, <laughs> he's <Yeah>. the murderer. <laughs> That's as much interest as we're going to have in that in that murder. The story will carry on regardless. Indeed. Uh, uh, there's some dodgy jokes here, I'd say. Oh, there's a very dodgy joke that they should have cut out the vintage goons. Uh, uh, to the extent I, oh, I almost hate it. <laughs> what do you do next? I call the doctor, of course. Why? That's his name, of course. Terence, of course. You must have heard of him. Why should I? I just told you about him. This bit of the dialogue mm. uh, ushers in Eccles. Yes, uh, the crime and, scene and photographer. The crime scene photographer. And I did a little bit of, I had a bit of a eureka moment. I love this sometimes, you know, when I'm examining these goon shows. <laughs> So I, I checked. So yeah, so we we've got we've got Eccles, and obviously he's the photographer, and he says uh, in the series four version, he says I've got a dark room that'll revolutionise all dark rooms. Yes. And Harry says, "How come?" And he says, "It's got a light in it." Uh -huh. Okay. So and that that gag is uh, replicated in the vintage yep. rooms. Now I put it to you, yeah, Milligan, revising the series four show for the vintage goons script yes so that's a good gag i'm going to use that again oh. because because four shows later in series uh -huh. eight right in the string robberies spike <laughs> reuses that gag does he um and it, except it's the two indian gentlemen that i have right cross talk he probably thought he was going to get away with it because this vintage goons one wasn't really meant to be for British consumption, was it? Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but dark rooms do have lights in them, though, don't they? That's Red true. lights, don't they? Well, yes, that's right. I, yeah, right into the radios. I think you'll find. In fact, dark rooms yes. do have lights in, actually. <laughs> Not so clever now, with your satirical uh, humour. But listen, yeah. we, we, must, we must move on, because otherwise we're going to get bogged down in phot photography gags. Yeah. Um, we have that sequence where they they want to seal the room yes and there's that elaborate again yeah. in the series four it's a bit clunky the ceiling yeah. the room bit much better and quicker in vintage goons and then and you've got headstone or grip pipe saying there's someone at the front door and then walking downstairs yes very slowly 
and uh, and and uh, Harry's at the door because the library has gone. Yeah. So finally, where are we now? Which page in the script are we on now? Finally, <sighs> we have got the vanishing room actually vanishes. Yeah. And, uh, but it's just it's it, just ahead of Ray Ray's number. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. so we're about two thirds of the way through the story. Why? Why was it because he had the title, The Vanishing Room, and yeah. he's come back to it? Or was it just because so. this, this is? I don't know. After we've got Ray, we go to Paris, don't we? And we have a scene with Bloodlock booking into a hotel, which is funny. I want a single room, joining doors, please, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But Monsieur is alone. Oh yes, pardon me. I thought I was on holiday. This is all. Oh, he's absolutely sex obsessed, isn't he, Bloodlock? The filthy postcards. How oh, that's a great! I love the the, the delivery of the Vintage Goons version where he's talking about filthy postcards. That is excellent uh, acting by Sellers. Blood not wrestling with his conscience before asking, you know, "How much do you want for the lot?" <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> sex obsessed, and yet he has this very righteous attitude to it at the same time. Yeah, uh, and and this this is where we get um, Harry as the French concierge, which is quite good at. Yeah, and soon after we get uh, we get Walt Greenslade doing his French bit. Oh uh, yes, which I'm not sure if that's his first opportunity in the Goon Show because he's he's only been announcer for not sure is it maybe fifteen twenty shows. Oh, Huxley's back. So quite bizarrely, the library that Eccles was taking photographs in that contains the body of Lord Cressenby yeah. has turned up in Bloodnock's Parisian hotel room. Yes, why? Um, what is going on? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you do wonder if Spike just got bored of the first bit and thought, oh, no, now I've got some jokes about Blood Dot booking into a hotel in, in Paris, you know. Yeah. And uh, mm. how can I link up these two bits of, of the story? I, I'm not convinced this is, you know, this was plotted out in advance, this, this whole No, he didn't, have, he didn't have like a, one of those boards with um, loads of, no, that's you would not go into into Milligan's office and see this board up on the wall with all the post-it notes and he's he's chuckling yeah, them around. Densely his, plotted. He's <laughs> plotting the right order. Uh, but there's a there's a great bit because Seacom, Seagoon, oh, depending on which episode you're listening to, phones Eccles and Eccles tells him that he's in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then there's the bit where Seacom says I'll be on the next train to Paris. Yes. This extended train leaving a station. And then Seagoon saying, I should have been on that train. Yes. Um, a, a, a classic moment. One of those yes. great sort of sound effects. Yes. Oh, that's really good, you know, because it just sets up in your mind. Oh, yes, I know what's happening here. And then he pulls the rug from under your feet. So that's, yeah. So I wonder how many times he's done that before. You know, you do get that that sort of joke popping up in, in yeah, the, the, the variation goes that, down yeah. a storm, doesn't it? It's really it good. And in the Vintage Goons version, I think, am I right? Yes. Yeah, so Seagoon jumps, says, "I'll swim for it" or something, and jumps in the uh, mm. jumps in the sea. Oh, yes, and, yes. and 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 purely and simply, purely and simply, to shoehorn in little Jim saying he's fallen in the water. Wow. That's all it was for. <laughs> Shameless. Never mind, I'll catch the next pair of Paris-bound boots. I'll leave for Durban at once. He's fallen in the water. <laughs> ah. 
thank you, lad. <laughs> um, there we are. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Get the characters in. I mean, that's... yeah. And I've also written down, and again, we keep dashing from series four to vintage goons and back again. In the series four episode, Blood Knock, I've written down repeated use of the phrase frog eater by Blood Knock. <laughs> yeah, in the 1954 version, particularly. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of frog eaters. Yes. So, and that, that's changed in the is the some reason that they uh, mind the 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 purchaser for the vintage goons was it Canada? Yes. Would that be a reason too? You might tone down the abuse of the French. Oh, quite possibly. Yeah, I think it was like the the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, whatever, were the initial purchasers of the vintage goons. That's Milligan going on all those years complaining about writing one script a week, and then when it's vintage goons, he's got to do two scripts a week. So, <laughs> right. so right, so just to, to uh, for the Canadian audience that they removed the frog eater, it wasn't because Spike had gone woke then, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's woke BBC scriptwriter removes references to frog eaters from goons show. Yeah, we 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 have. Greenslade as the French hotel manager, I guess, um, demanding, yes, so that, can... d- demanding that blood not pays the bill. Yeah, I'm not staying in the second room. No, we're charging for the room staying at this hotel. Which mm. is, that's quite good. It's, it's a little bit lost as a concept. I mean, it's, it's all very conceptual, this, isn't it? That it's, uh, yeah, yes. it's like a, a surreal play. Because actually, you know, the um, the room disappearing from one place and going somewhere, it's not particularly a hilarious idea <laughs> why i suspect he just wanted to change the scene just do some different jokes but um anyway there we are yeah, uh, yeah. and then finally we get we get blue bottle come on with with in the 54 version he's not quite the voice isn't quite there yet it's yeah. almost there it's, it lacks a little bit of color it's almost still it's got still still got traces of the soppy voice that sellers right, used to okay. do okay in raise a laugh. Blue bottle. I had your car. I had your crummy macabertine. Give your orders. I will work till I drop. I always drop when I work. More to the point, where, where's he come from? I don't know. What is he doing? Uh, is he in the police? He comes on and he's instructed by Seagoon to arrest the corpse. That's his... Yeah. That's his job. Why doesn't Seagoon? He's, he's the policeman. Why doesn't he arrest the corpse? And then he gets frightened at the idea of arresting the corpse. Well, he corpses at the word corpse man, doesn't he? Or the phrase I, I, corpse man. That's too <laughs> subtle. Why is Lord Crescenby, the murder victim, now being arrested? And uh, yeah, I mean, they actually asked, don't they, for leaving the country without a passport? Of course. Of course. Hmm. Uh, He'd be sent to Rwanda now if he was trying to come back in. Yeah, totally. Blue Bottle, Blue Bottle often makes these references to contemporary films or television programs. Oh yeah, uh, that usually got cut out, you know, for for the sort of pick of the goons mm. edits and whatnot. But um, but there's a couple of references. McGlusky, McGlusky of the Mounties. Oh right. Um, and the Adventures of PC Forty Nine. He, he, he oh well, that that that's an actual thing, isn't it? PC forty nine. What do you know about that? Um, now you're putting me. I, I know the title. Okay. Um, what well, was it? A radio series or was it a book? Yeah, it was a radio police a police radio series that ran from 1947 to 1953, right. and 
the star of the adventures of PC-49 was the actor Brian Reese. Was it? Uh, and around this time, Sellers was filming the film Orders Are Orders, where he played assistant to Brian Reese was in it? that film. But um, but this whole Blue Bottle Eccles, I, I normally love the Blue Bottle and Eccles sequences. Yeah. Uh, I really don't like this bit with the the reconstructing the crime, reconstructing the murder. Well, uh, it just it just becomes a shootout, doesn't it? It's just Seagram does a reconstruction of the crime. This results in Eccles shooting Blue Bottle. I mean, there's there's very little interplay. You know, no. Very little Eccles Blue Bottle interplay, like you know, you particularly want. So Seagram then arrests Eccles because of the reconstruction of the crime. Um, and Eccles carries on accidentally shooting Blue Bottle, who is dead again. Yeah, and the the theme tune kicks in, and that's it. Uh... Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> what, what a very unusual murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's a good title, but the plot doesn't really sort of live up to the title. And you've you've got some good scenes and some great jokes, some great moments, but. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not as coherent, if we'd say that, as uh, as it will become shortly afterwards. I mean, it's not that long. It, it, it's why it seems like it's a great leap from this point. Yes. You see it like this to yep. you know what what you get just later that year. But of course, I mean, the other interesting thing is uh, it's 1954. Uh, Spike, I think, is he is in the Greengrocers by this point, isn't he? With Eric Sykes. Yes. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, well, how much that affects things. That, and then, Galton and Simpson, they sign up in September '54, don't they? Uh, Hancock's half hour starts that autumn, so mm. suddenly Spike is in this place, this greengrocer's where they have associated London scripts, and he's got all these other writers around him. So he just seems to have great confidence as he goes into that next series. Uh, well, maybe, and, maybe maybe he's sparking off the others, and Eric, of course, yeah, got involved right, yeah. with with writing of series five. And uh, yeah, well, um, he, yeah, the other thing that's coming up is um, what's it, Archie and Goonrat, isn't it? Because yeah. so, I suppose that they're just there, they may as well just you know get together and write this because they're they, you know they're both in the greengrocer. So uh, let's knock off a you know uh, educating Archie Gooch who uh, crossover, uh, yeah, the crossover. Which doesn't exist, sadly, anymore. No, doesn't that? Is there no script? There is a script, but there's no recording that exists right. anymore, sadly. Right. But so there we go. Um, apparently, transcription services were a little bit annoyed because the show underran. Really? And and I guess that's why it wasn't very... There weren't many edits in it, if you like, and and yeah. uh, um, but then it, it's it sticks closely to the series four script, so it's not like that. Spike yeah. just chucked out well, that, chunks of it. Yeah, that was you know I, I was thinking. I mean, maybe if you look at any of these other scripts in the Vintage Goon series, I I was presuming he would have just changed loads of the jokes. You know, he just wouldn't have been able to stop himself and he would have just put in lots of extra jokes. But in fact, it's it's not that particularly. It's just some of the voices are different, uh, which makes some of the script work a bit better than it did. Yeah, because he keeps names like Lord Cressenby and 
Rodley on cleat and yeah he could have easily just changed them to something a bit more I don't know Rodley on spawn or something because spawn was very much a word that he was yeah. riffing on at the time yeah why Rodley on cleat um, there is another significant thing about the recording on the 15th of December in 1957 though isn't there and what is that Tyler oh come on then what what happened that night at the recording who came Oh, was that when, was it Princess Alexandra? Yes, it's the royal visit. Yeah, which um, Spike gets a bit upset about. Was it that May. one? Oh, was it that yeah. night? I think so, the 15th of December. So that's the recording of Vanishing Room and the Great British Revolution. So um, who is there, you ask? Well, uh, I've looked into this and it is um, the Duchess of Kent and Princess Alexandra. Princess yeah. Olga of Yugoslavia and her daughter, Princess Elizabeth. Right. Um, yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, so the story is that uh, Milligan says he, he didn't know they were coming. He got a bit upset about it. And, uh, he he had a dinner appointment, <laughs> which he yeah. had to go to. So, and he later kick, kicked off about the fact that he hadn't been warned. And, uh, um, and yet, wasn't he really a sort of a self-professed Republican? Yeah. Well, Sellers says he's an Irish rebel and he doesn't like to get too involved with royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Sellers with his Dutch... usual insouciance. Yes, yeah. that, that went down well. So that's, that's when the Duchess of Kent asks if Spike is in the habit of leaving parties early. Mm. He's an Irish rebel. He doesn't like to get involved with royalty. <laughs> Which I gather Spike was uh, quite calm about when he heard. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure he's absolutely fine with it. God bless him. So thank you, Mike. Thank you for helping unpick these two shows with me. Well, I, I, I don't know if we've unpicked them terribly satisfactorily, but uh, yeah, well, there they are. Oh, well, listen, I could not do, have done this show without you because uh, you oh. know, I want to spare your blushes, but you were instrumental, the the, the man who was instrumental in, in uh, introducing me to The Scaffold, of course, and, uh, and wonderful Griff Rees-Jones, with whom you work a lot. And, uh, yes, good old Griff. Griff, yeah. who was three months old. That was another fact about the original Vanishing Room in 1954. Griff would have been three months old. John Gorman from The Scaffold. Mm. This is incredible. When the original Vanishing Room went out, John Gorman, still with us, yeah. he would have been 18 when the original Vanishing <laughs> Room went out. And yet when he was on, he had very little to say about the game He's the one guest that you've had on who could conceivably listen to the whole thing, you know, from well, start exactly. to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, um, he was more interested in, in remembering yeah. how, how much money he'd spent. Right. <laughs> He's very precise. Exactly how much he was paid by Granada Television on, uh, you know, 1963 for his appearance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely amazing. But, uh, uh, yeah. I, and, so, uh, and and Mike, of course, uh, recent, uh, recently uh, published author of The Beatles' Liverpool. Oh yes, well the Beatles, yes, yeah. Beatles. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for doing the big sort of you know, yeah. plug of that that you did. That was very good of you. So I do appreciate that very much. Uh, Beatles Liverpool is still out in shops and on internet places, and uh, I've been I've been doing my little talk, my little presentation oh, on yes. Beatles Liverpool. So I did that last week. So that went down very well. People seem to really like it. So, so listeners, if you would like me to come. 
to my presentation on it, it's a fun thing where I do a virtual tour around all the Beatles sites in Liverpool and the Wirral and tell some funny stories and you know the various jokes along the way if you would like me to come and do that for your club or your society or wherever you meet them get in touch I will come and do that within reason as I long mean, as it's not as long yeah. as it's not land's end well no that that's right yeah with it with within you know 10 minutes of my house uh, <laughs> that would be that would be helpful so yeah get in touch at mike haskins 11 on the twitter is where you can find yes. me uh yes. now the other thing i wanted to do this is another thing to maybe it's not to send out over the airways but uh what i'd like to do is find a musician person who does Beatles songs and you know get some music into it and make it a bit more of a show which i think would be so if any musicians out there want to contact me then please do and uh, we can work on that as always thank you very much and uh and we will we will meet it again at some point in the future and that would uh, be lovely thank you tyler thank you very much once again and i will be back next week with uh oh i will be back possibly earlier than next week with a special show so keep your eyes peeled for the weekend folks 